Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 95 of the CZS Show. It's your boy, Sir Cesus, and I'm back better than ever, and it's only right to deliver some good quality content to all of you guys. So before we start this episode, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Sir Cesus TV. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at Cersei's, at Trade Day XXIV. Now, before we get into today's hottest topics, obviously I like to rehash the previous episode. So, on episode 94 of The Caesar Show, it was Cersei's, myself, and Trade Day XXIV. And both of us discussed the bubble coming to an end. LeBron and the Lakers winning another championship, LeBron's legacy and greatness, um, some major coaching decisions that teams would have to make, and obviously our top 10 teams going into the up-and-coming season. So took a mini hiatus, and now the draft is coming up. So this week will primarily be focused on our NBA draft analysis slash breakdown, and I'm excited to get to it. And me and Trey Day XXIV do have a very special guest. So without further ado, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, obviously you guys know it's episode 95 of the season show. And today we have a special guest coming on. Uh, there's a guy that we met. His name is Robel. Um, YouTube, YouTube basketball. Well, he goes by basketball YouTuber guy. Um, <laughs> has about 3.72k subscribers on YouTube, and you know he's all about the NBA, and he has a lot of great insight to what's going on with the draft and whatnot. Um, he's from Toronto. Uh, you know how they say, you know what they say about those Toronto people over there. I'm just kidding with you with that one. But <laughs> without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Ro Bell. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> how you doing, man? Um, you know, obviously, you know, we've, I've been following you for quite some time. Um, I think you were one of the, were you one of the originals that created that, uh, that, uh, content, um, page on Twitter to like for people to share their content. Yeah, I, I was the one that made it. So yeah, that's me. So what what made you, you know, think about this idea? Because I think it's a wonderful idea. Um, obviously, I haven't used it in quite some time now. But you know, you literally look like you recruited the freaking Avengers um, to an extent, obviously, on a small scale. And, uh, you know, it's good to, you know, get insight from a lot of people and, and see, you know, where they come from and, you know, just look at stuff from a different lens. So what what got you, uh, you know, starting all that? Well, you know, um, when you have like a small uh, like sports channel, you decide like uh, you don't get like crazy support right away. So it's like if everyone just supports each other, you keep introducing um, your content to new audiences and then um, you retweet content for other people to see it like your audience can see other people's content. So it's like a it's like a win win for everyone. I think everyone benefits from it. And. I feel like, you know, it's an easy, um, it's not, you don't have to sacrifice that much. You just have to retweet something. And I mean, everyone was with it. So it's like, if you just get a lot of people, I think we have like 18 to 20 people in there and then, yeah, you should, you should be good. So that's why I just made it. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant of you as well too. And like you said, it's double exposure. So it is a win-win. So um, definitely respect that as well too. So talk to us about, you know, your passion for, you know, creating content specifically for the YouTube audience um, in talking about, you know, different avenues within the NBA. What got you into that? Um, 
I really like, I mean, in high school, I was in like grade 12 and I was just thinking, man, like, what do I really like when I was applying to uh, universities and colleges? And I was like, what do I really like? What do I see myself doing? In? And I'm that type of guy. It's like, I have to really like what I'm doing to really put in the effort and stuff like that. So I was just like, you know, why not get into basketball or something like that? So, um, you know, you could, you could, you could uh, apply for a sports management or like sports media program, but it's, it's a connection based thing. Right. And you can't just have that diploma, expect to get a job. So I decided what, what can I do to stand out? And that's why I decided to make a YouTube channel because yeah, People could write articles and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of people like that, but does every, how many people really have a YouTube channel, right? And if it's successful, I can have that as a revenue of income. So I just thought about that. And then I really started loving doing it. It became like part of my routine. And yeah, it's, it's basically part of my life now. I'm just working on it every day. That's what's up. That's what's up. I respect that. I think you had a, you had a question, Trey? Um, no, no, I mean, yeah, I did. So I, I can't say no, nah. but, um, again, what's up, man? I know what we said, what's up in pre-production. Uh, glad to have you here. And, um, what's, uh, I guess, you know, you started doing this coming out of high school, talk about passion, which is, uh, I think something that we're realizing, you know, us, our viewers, um, that, you know, life's short, definitely in this time like this. So, um, What's, what would be your angle? You know, would, do you have a position in mind? Do you have, you know, uh, what, what's the outlook? This is, this is kind of grassroots right now. Um, not even grassroots, you're, you're kind of up and running, but you know, do you have a position that you'd be like, you know, I want to do this and I know I kill, kill at this. Um, I mean, the goal for me is the NBA. When I, um, uh, started, I was on Twitter and there's a certain section of draft Twitter and, I heard that people were getting hired to the NBA from Twitter, like literally seeing people's content on there. There's like NBA people that literally recruit people from Twitter. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm always, I'm like, I'm like delusionally confident. So I'm just like, man, if they could do it. And I start at like 19 years old, by the time I'm like 24, I'll, I'll, I'll be smart enough to do it. And I, that's just my mindset. It's like, if I just put in enough pain and experience and, why not like you know um so I just decided yeah like I put really high goals for myself because like no one no one's gonna put higher expectations for me than myself so that's why I put the highest goal so like that's the end goal for me uh but there's different avenues I could like you know one day I could wake up and have 100k subscribers and then just literally only make YouTube videos for my living that could happen too or uh I could work as like uh, a scout for like you know college teams or something like that there's different avenues but i just want to make it to the top and whatever i'm doing okay. understood man respect 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 for sure for sure so obviously you know uh i'm assuming i, I could be wrong but you're from toronto are you a toronto raptors fan or how, how does that work yeah yeah i am yeah so so i guess my question for you is you know, what were your thoughts on the NBA restart with the bubble itself? And then following that, uh, what were your thoughts on, on the Toronto Raptors and the bubble and, and moving forward? Uh, I mean, there's like a, there's a huge problem on their team and that's like shot creation. And I've been saying it like all year, even before, like we're not even a top 10 offense. 
and mm. as one of the best teams in the league, it's like, man, I don't know what type of teams, especially in these type of times, could get far in the playoffs when they don't have a top 10 offense. And they're like, yeah. I think they're 12th before the bubble happened and stuff. So I was just like, I don't know. We're going to have to fix something. Like, you know, playoffs is only going to get harder. They're going to game plan for us. And then, I mean, the Pascal Siakam thing, I honestly didn't think anyone could have predicted that. You know, whoever, like, thought that is just lying, honestly. Like, um, because that was, like, literally one of the – obviously, it was one of, like, the worst playoff performances ever. So when that happens, it's obviously, like, unprecedented. And, yeah, I, I made a whole video about what Pascal needs to do to overcome that. And, yeah, everyone need, just needs to get better. Even Nick Nurse has shown his limits as a coach because he's a defensive-minded coach, and then he just lets the offense kind of uh, ride it out. But you can't do that. If you use your genius on both ends, you know, especially when you have players that aren't really uh, – there's not a lot of bucket getters on the team. So mm. you can't just let them, you know, do you. You know, like last year you could do that because you had Kawhi because he's the ultimate bucket getter, one of the best ones, right? So you can have him to build you out, but you don't have that this year. So that's why I felt like we just came up short. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, obviously, I think you guys have um, Fred Van Fleet, who's about to be a free agent. Um, do you see him staying with the Toronto Raptors or do you see him trying to get a huge payday elsewhere? I don't know. Like looking at his mentality, I would – think that he's going to lean to whoever pays him the most. It's obviously a weird situation because, you know, with the pandemic, you know, know how much, who's going to get how much, how many uh, how many dollars the owners got uh, taken away from them. But, yeah. yeah, I just think, I think he's not a guy that's like the super, like, I love Toronto, Toronto's me. Like, I think he, I mean, he already has the championship. So it's like, there's not like, a dying love for Toronto for he would just automatically consider them and resign right away. Right. Like I'm just looking at it realistically. So he could go to the Knicks. He could go to the Suns, Detroit. I mean, I'm just like 50, 50 on it. I would love to have him back. I'm just saying it's like, it's a real possibility he leaves. Yeah. Cause to me, I feel like Kyle Lars is getting older. Um, I mean, I guess nowadays in the NBA, you know, with the modern day medicine workout routines, the amount of money, these players are spending on their body. I just feel like you can play for a longer time. So I feel like he, I mean, obviously started this year as well too, majority of the games, right? I feel like he would eventually take that, that role as being that go-to guy after Pascal Siakam. So I think him winning a championship there would give him an incentive because it's like, I've been playing at a high level going to the playoff every single year for me to go to a team like the Kings, a team like the Knicks and basically start from scratch. That's kind of, it's kind of it kind of doesn't make sense to me so if I was him I would stay there like you said we don't know exactly what the salary cap's gonna look like and if fans are gonna be allowed there so we really don't know about all that about all that stuff so maybe he signs you know short-term deals until we actually uh you know get rid of the once we get rid of the pandemic and um yeah I think you guys are gonna need him man um I think he's a diamond in the rough that you guys invested in so uh, we'll see what happens from there as well, too. Um, so getting into my next topic, a couple of things happened within the past week or so. Um, obviously, we already know that Steve Nash is the new head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, with Steve Nash, he happened to hire a few different assistants, um, and basically all of them have you know come up you know and played with him as well, too. But one person that stands out the most is Mike D'Antoni. 
obviously we know Steve Nash, two-time MVP, was very prominent under Mike D'Antoni's seven seconds or less uh, offensive system. Um, so with Mike D'Antoni being in the role as an assistant head coach, how do you see Brooklyn panning out? Um, and do you think that, you know, they're going to coexist with Steve Nash, with Mike D'Antoni, knowing that you have Kyrie and knowing that you have, you know, Kevin Durant, who aren't, you know, perceived as having – you know, a leadership mindset um, and kind of are in their own little space. But how do you how do you feel about that whole situation? I mean, I don't think uh, the Nets are like a, a contender, honestly. Like there's just um, I mean, when you look at the roster, aside from KD and Kyrie, it's like they don't have any. Uh, rim, I mean, they have one brand protector, which is Jared Allen, but he's going to be on the bench and he might be traded, honestly, because you know, with the DeAndre Jordan and the Jared Allen thing. Like, any smart coach is going to start Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre is going to get mad. That might be a story. Um, yeah. And they don't have any wings, like any wing defenders especially, which is what they need because KD is basically a, like a big now, honestly, and he's going to be guarding bigs. And then Kyrie is obviously a guard. So you, you do need those wings to push you towards the championship. And there's not a lot of wings in the NBA that just – cheap and you know are available so i don't see them as like a true contender i wouldn't put any uh huge expectations on them just because they have KD and Kyrie. um what the coaching is interesting because you know steve nash we never seen him coach so we don't know what to expect from him but we do have we that's why he hired like meg deck tony and stuff like that to help him out and i think uh hopefully we'd see some uh Kyrie and kevin durant pnr i know KD doesn't really like to uh be like you know the the big as the popper and stuff like that like mm-hmm. Steph and KD never ran pick and roll which is weird so yeah. it's just um I hope we get to see that I, I hope we just get to see both of them maximize to their full potential and then they fill out that roster with competent competent uh wing players and you know rotation guys so they can look like a legit team yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, granted, they're in the East, right? The East is kind of like J. They're very top heavy, right? So they're kind of like the JV compared to the Western Conference. So I feel like, I mean, it really kind of comes down to is what is KD going to look like, you know, post Achilles injury? What is Kyrie going to look like post shoulder surgery? If they're in my mind, I'm very optimistic. If they're what I think they're going to be, and you add a playoff team, you add two superstars to a playoff team. I think with KD's cachet, you got to have to put them in um, championship consideration at least. But I can see where you're coming from um, because of their past and, you know, us kind of just putting those expectations on them as well too. But, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, like I said, if they're healthy, then um, the sky's the limit for them. But, you know, we'll definitely see because I think KD's going to be the, the big mystery going into this upcoming season as well too. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about as well was uh, Daryl Morey going over to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, first with me, I was kind of thrown off about it, um, and I was kind of anti-Daryl Morey. But then when I took a step back and I was like, hey, I mean, this guy kind of, you know, when he got to Houston, he kind of realized that, you know, James Harden wasn't going to be essentially a six-man like Amano Ginobili. So he kind of gambled on him, got him there. He was able to get Dwight Howard. He was able to get – 
um, Chris Paul and obviously some good role pieces like a Trevor Ariza, like a Clint Capella, uh, like a P.J. Tucker, Austin Rivers, X, Y, and Z to kind of, you know, make Houston the top of the league. And, you know, they're able to be successful. You know, at Chris Paul not going down, I truly believe they would have beat Golden Seven in, in game six or game seven. And I think they would have beat Cleveland that year as well, too, with no Kyrie. Kyrie being gone, going to Celtics. And then, you know, there's just Kevin Love and, and LeBron and, and, and company. Um, so he's proven that based on his top tier talent, he has what it takes to build around them. Um, but obviously he's always felt fall, uh, fallen short as well too. Um, what are your thoughts on him uh, essentially, you know, being the guy that calls the shots there over in, uh, in, in Philadelphia? I like it. Um, I think Darren Moore, he's like a very smart guy. Cause, and I think he's a, uh, he does take take risks, but I feel like you need that, especially because they have like Tobias Harris's contract and Horford's contract. And I feel like you know you are gonna lose those trades, but Daryl does what, like you said before, like he gets these players that aren't like succeeding in um, their situation, but he they look way better in like you know when when they join his team. So. Yeah. I feel like even if he loses those trades because, you know, you know, you are going to have to lose those if you want to trade those guys. I feel, still, I still feel like he will get some uh, pretty good rewards back for them. And then um, I think people just think Daryl Morey were just shooting threes, but he does, he, he, he maximizes whatever he has on the roster around the stars. Right. So if he has Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, he's not going to tell Joel Embiid to shoot 10 threes a game. No, he's, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen. It's just, he's going to optimize their, both of their talents. Now, obviously, he's probably going to trade Tobias, probably going to trade Horford, and maybe one of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons will be gone if he doesn't like what he's seeing. So, I mean, I love it from, uh, from a, a viewer's perspective because we get to see, like, what a smart mind gets to do with all of these uh, players because he has a problem, right? He has a problem that he has to fix. So it's like, I want, it's very hard to see how you're going to turn the Sixers into a championship team. So it's like seeing him, being him, the guy that gets to do it, it's like, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, yeah. That's yeah be I think it, go ahead, Trey. I think it speaks to um, just how we've like gone away from the, Again, the quote unquote we're talking about Philly, the process or whatever <laughs> like that. Like we're we're in a league where you get rewarded for being smart and doing like making the plays. So Daryl Morey being over in the West the whole time, you know, he was battling the likes of the Golden State Warriors, um, the Spurs, I mean the Nuggets who have, you know, who have built through the draft and whatnot. Now he's in the East and he's and he's battling people like up in Toronto where 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 and, and I'm blanking on the name. Uh, but 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 their GM and and uh, Pat Riley down yep yep and Pat Riley down in Miami and and um, the Celtics you know so these are people that have been aggressive and that have been rewarded for being aggressive and for not just sitting back and saying oh we're gonna wait on it so the process is over in Philly so I wouldn't be surprised like like Rebel said like it's gonna be some changes and I wouldn't be surprised if a star was gone like we talked about in earlier episodes it's just. At this point, you know, you're not going to get rewarded, you know, for having a closed mouth or, you know, you're going to starve death if not. So, um, like Rebel said, we're going to see what, what happens. He has the players, he has the personnel, and, you know, maybe some 
some savvy moves from from a, a from somebody in leadership can can put them on the right path and maybe make them a contender in a East that is is top heavy, but that's not the part of the top they really want to be in. You know what I'm saying? They're not like the oh Philly's gonna win. It's usually Philly's gonna disappoint us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so let's put the GM hat on here, Robel. If you are Daryl Morey and your owner comes to you and says, hey, let's try to get rid of one of these superstars, who are you keeping and why? I knew this question was going to come. Uh, <laughs> like, and I go back and forth on it. Um, hmm, I'm just – like I, I still haven't made a decision, so I'm probably gonna do it here and now. Uh, I'm not confident on it. I'm very 50-50 on either of them. I like Joel. I'm not a huge fan of Ben Simmons, but if I had to trade one of them, it'd probably be. Um, I mean, obviously it depends like who gets more, but let's say you can get the same amount of value back, I'd probably have to trade Embiid. Mm. Um. And it's not saying I'm going to trade Embiid and I'm going to build around Ben Simmons and treat him like he's Giannis because I, I just don't see Ben like that. I see him as like a, a small ball four or five at times and him being like the Bam Adebayo plus type of player, right? I don't see him being like the point guard of the team. I would try to use him as that. And then if in that way, he could be optimized greatly. And he could still win your games trying to be that Giannis type of guy. It's just not always going to work and I wouldn't, focus all my energy to Ben Simmons superstar, uh, you know, franchise player type of stuff. So I will try to trade uh, Joel just for some shot creators and some uh, playmakers that could handle the ball alongside um, Ben Simmons and then him just being the damn out of bio uh, player that he should be. So, yeah, that's how I would look at it. Okay. Okay, Thanks. cool. And then over on the West Coast, you know, Daryl Morey left, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Daryl Morey left, and then also, what's his name? Mike D'Antoni left Houston as well, too. So now they're kind of just in a weird sense. You know, they hired a coach who really doesn't have that much experience. So I guess my question for you is, is like, if you are James Harden, um, do you trust that organization to continue to build around you? Because I don't really see – what they can get. I mean, unless they get rid of Russell Westbrook. So if, if you're the GM, are you looking to essentially try to give up your pieces and get something back to keep James Harden happy? Or do you have to also look at, you know, once free agency hits, yo, we might just have to start from scratch and maybe possibly, you know, just start over and uh, get rid of James Harden and get rid of Russell Westbrook as well too. How do you feel about that whole situation? What would you do? Um, I mean, I would keep Harden. I would just try to run it back, see how he feels. But, you know, you never know. He might just be like, man, I'm tired of this. I want to get traded. Then I would do it. I would honor his request, obviously. But I would try to run it back, uh, switch up the approach, get get a big man because, you know, we've all, we we know it doesn't just – it's not going to work, right? It's not mm-hmm. going to work if uh, – as long as the Lakers are there. As long as AD plays in the West, that idea should never be uh, thought of again. So, um, <laughs> so I would try to get a big, get some more off, like switch up the approach. I mean, Silas is, he, ha- he's not a head coach, but he was an assistant coach for like 20 years. So like, yeah. I guess he knows what he's doing and he's, it he was on the Mavericks too, you know, got to, it's the Carlisle coaching tree. So 
you know, he he probably knows what he's doing. I feel like um, Carlisle's a very good coach. If he does like, if he took a lot of pointers from him, I feel like that offense will work great with him because uh, Harden will still be like a heliocentric player, but I do like to see some like more movement off the ball for uh, the other role players. Can't just have them all stand around because it's, it's just, it's not going to work. You know, they're going to get cold. Like, you know, these guys are human. You can't just have them stand around and just wait for them. And then they're all going to yeah. shoot 40%. It's not going to work like that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But my, my thing is, is like, all right, who can you give up to get a decent big? Because like you said, you got to, you got to go up against Jokic. You got to go up against Rudy Gobert. You got to go up against Anthony Davis, et cetera, et cetera. So who do you see the Rockets being able to get? And who who do you think they would have to give up to get them? Because ideally, you, obviously, you want, we're in the era of that di- dynamic duo. Um, so, I mean, do you think P.J. Tucker, Lawson Rivers, Eric Gordon, do you think they have enough stock for people to buy in or other teams to buy in for that? Uh, no, I don't think they should trade for a big. Like, there's no, like, I don't think they have the assets and, like, there's no big that's good enough to really, I'm not, I'm low on bigs. Like, there's no big on the market that's going to be guarding Jokic and AD and be effective. You just need someone that exists there, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's like, I don't, it's not like you have to get a big that plays 30 minutes a night because PJ Tucker is still going to be the closing five to me. Um but you have to have, like, a big that is going to take the brunt in the regular season because, you know, you can't have B.J. Tucker and Robert Covington take those hits all the time. Like, I said that uh, way before, when right when the trade happened, I'm just like, these guys are going to get injured. Like, they're banging with bigs all the time. It's not going to yeah. work. Like, so um, I, would, I would try to look for Biombo, Tristan Thompson, those type of guys, um, just to, you know, just play those 25 minutes a night and just be competent. Uh, James Harden was a very good lot passer. I would try to, you know, uh, uh, put that back into his game at a way more pick and roll because they just stopped, you know, running pick and roll. And then that's when they traded Capella because he was kind of useless. So I would change, like I said, I would change up the offensive approach and just have him running way more PNR so he becomes more of a versatile threat. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I guess I never thought about it like that as well, too. Um, so moving on from that last segment of the day, you know, NBA drafts coming up in about two weeks or so. Before we get into, you know, these top three projected picks and company um, overall with this class, how are you feeling about the class? It feels like it's really guard uh, driven. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on the in, on the draft in its entirety? Do you think this has potential to be? one of the best draft classes we've seen in quite some time. Give me your insight on that. Um, it's one of the worst ones. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I've been getting really Shit mad lately because we've been, like, it's been a known fact that this class is bad. And then people, because, okay, the thing with drafts, a season is that people just get into it and they're like, yeah, I already know everything about it. It's whatever. Like I read a couple of mock drafts. I know everything about it. Mm-hmm. And they just try to push back saying, man, this draft is not bad. Well, I don't know why people are saying that it has a lot of good role players. I'm like, what role players? You're going to draft a role player at the top five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what do you mean? You're going to draft like Denny Advia. I think Denny Via is going to be a good role player, but he's a role player. I'm not drafting that top five. So yeah. it's like if it's if it's a draft like that when he is gonna go top five, 
and Tyrese Halliburton and stuff like that are going to go top five, then it's a weak draft. Like, there's, we got to look, every time we look at drafts, we look at how many All-Stars they got. And that is how we base it on. Okay. It's mm-hmm. not like everyone's bad because, you know, like people are so talented, but it's not a lot of uh, franchise changing uh, talent. Players. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that too, because I'm one of those people who I don't pay too much attention to these college players or these players overseas and whatnot. And I'm more so trying to digest as much information within the upcoming weeks leading up into the draft. So with me, I agree with you. I, necessarily didn't see any like you know franchise changing player but in my mindset I'm already looking at all right these are the picks that these are the you know projected picks that are here right now in my mindset is and I I guess I shouldn't think like this anyways I was thinking of all right knowing the nucleus that these teams already have who can basically add to their rotation who can be a solid role player but it's interesting that you point that out as well too and I didn't think about it like that um so obviously Minnesota has a first pick and um, it's looking like it's more than likely going to be Anthony Edwards from Georgia, um, 6'5", 225 pounds, 6'9", wingspan. Um, when he was at Georgia, average what, 19.5 and, and one, 1.3 steals, 2.8 assists. Um, you know, I was able to look at a little bit of his footage and – I think, I, think, I think he's one of those people that we got to kind of raise our eyebrows and say, all right, maybe, you know, if he's in the right situation, he can definitely ball out because he already has that size, um, you know, for a guard. And I think he's probably one of the most athletic, you know, people in this, tr- in, in this draft as well, too. Pretty solid shooter, uh, very crafty and explosive as well, too. I think he could work a little bit more on his handles um, and his playmaking ability. But uh, I think, you know, if when it's all said and done, I feel like his ceiling can potentially be like a Victor Oladipo, obviously, before that injury or kind of like a Donovan Mitchell or whatnot. Um, obviously, like I said, I'm not the most intelligent when it comes to this. So I, this is why I want to stare at you. But what are your thoughts on Anthony Edwards? And do you actually see him being the number one pick? So I loved Anthony Edwards coming out of high school, like one of my favorite high school players. Um there was some clear issues with, um, first of all, the defense is very bad. Uh, it's like LaMelo bad. Like, they're at the same uh, level of defense. Uh, there's some flashes of, you know, it's it's the most, it's very frustrating because there's some flashes where he, like, completely locks down someone. And then, then there's, like, a lot of the moments where he just decides, man, I'm going to go double team this guy out of nowhere and then he leaves his man open on the other side for three and he'll do stuff like that all the time and it's just like what are you doing like if you just stand there you'll be fine but um i mean you know he has it all he has the scoring uh the playmaker was coming along well he has a lot of flashes of that and like he could score on all three levels it's just there's a lot of approach issues to his game it's like that um might not be uh helpful to winning if you if you want to build around him he's not someone that is going to win you a lot of games i call it like the zach levine effect it's like uh if he's your primary guy then it's just it's not it's, you're gonna win games but not like you're gonna win enough games to be like the eighth pick and that's gotcha. the worst situation to be in right like chicago was always picking seven but they couldn't get the top the number one guy to pair with a zach levine they always had to get like a role player type of guy right if at best. Um, but 
Yeah, like that's my worry when Anthony Edwards is like the approach to the game. I do think he needs a, a very specific uh the de- development um uh, like how do I say it? Um he needs a very specific situation for him to like realize his upside because yeah, if you just give him the ball and let him rock out, it's just all of those issues that he has don't get fixed. And that's what happened from Georgia to I mean from uh his hometown high school, yeah, high school to Georgia. It's just he didn't get fixed because he just got the ball in his hands and they slammed him do whatever he wanted. So um, him on the Wolves, I mean, first of all, the Wolves are in a very bad situation because they got the number one pick. They weren't – like, they're one of the worst teams to have gone that because they're in, like – they don't need LaMelo. Like, LaMelo or Ant doesn't fix their problems because they want to make the playoffs, right? Cat is, like, yeah. 25, I think, 24, and he wants to make the playoffs. And he do- he doesn't help them. Like, a be guy 30 like before. Yeah, like, a guy like Vassell, Okoro, like, those guys will help him. But – do you, are you going to draft those guys at one? That's what I'm saying. That's the problem. So that's why I feel like them going up to number one was like kind of a bad situation for them. And, but yeah, I'll, I don't know if I would draft at for them. I would probably just say, man, I would just draft Vassell or, or Coral for them. Like if I was, if I had to pull that trigger, because I just don't see Anthony Edwards, even as a third option, like really working for them. I just don't think his issues get fixed. The best situation I see him in is in Golden State where he just gets to come off the bench, you know, like uh, has a shorter leash when he messes up. He has to, he has, he needs accountability in his, uh, right. in his basketball career. So I think that's probably the best situation for him. See, well, I have a question for Rubo and it's hilarious because, <laughs> and I know you're not trying to, I know you're speaking in a matter of fact way, but the way you just like casually like <laughs> shit on people is hilarious. <laughs> but and I, and I know you're not shitting on people. So that, that's, but, um, so you talked about his defense and even on a grassroots level, and I'll say, I'll ask a question like this. From a developmental level, and I say developmental being high school, being college, um, has defense taken a back seat um, just overall? And or or do you just look at it as like a back when the, the top guys weren't playing defense either? You know, how do you view defense? Because I, I mean, like uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Toronto won, t- Toronto was based on defense. I think the Lakers had pretty good defense, um, even you know coming down the stretch. They had lost some of their perimeter guys, but they still had, you know, LeBron James that would buy in here and there, definitely coming down the stretch. They had Anthony Davis that could buy in. They had Dwight Howard, who accepted his role as the defender and, and bought in. So their defense excelled and helped because of that. Um, but do you think defense is even like a concept of concentration uh, when it comes to the developmental level and how how – much do you think it impacts a guy coming into the league now? So in high school, there's, you know, there's always the signal, like some star players just don't want to play defense. Like they don't put enough of that effort. And there's a lot of those guys. And that's why if, if I see a guy really play defense, like all damn consistently, I give him a lot of points for that because not everyone around him is doing that. His peers aren't doing that. So I don't completely knock them for that. And I didn't knock him for that. But when they get to college, that's, where I have to look for it because that's where they clean up those habits because they get yelled at a lot. Like they get yelled at a lot. Right. So it's like, that's why they always fix their issues. They fix, like they're not trying to get pulled 
or yelled at or, you know, run suicides in practice or something like that. It's way more accountability there. So if you still didn't fix it in college, then it looks, I look at it like, okay, this is bad. Like, you know, so, sure. uh, but yeah. And like in high school, you always like, you see things like defense. I don't like completely harp down on a player unless like he tries a lot and he still gets scored on that. Okay. That's when it's like, it's a worrisome. <laughs> but like a guy like Jalen Green or something like that, his defense, like he doesn't really play defense a lot too. But then there's all these flashes where he just gets like a chase down block. So I'm like, okay, it, there is some defensive potential there, right? Like if he gets, you know, if a coach is really banks down on him, he can play good defense. So that's how I look at it in the high school perspective. I got you, man. Thank you. Now that, that was a good question and great explanation. I like that as well too. And obviously we talked about, you know, you thinking that Anthony Edwards would be best utilized in Golden State, Golden State system coming off the bench as well, too, which kind of makes me go into the Golden State and their projected number two pick. So obviously with James Wiseman, um, you know, he's a center coming out of Memphis. Um, he looks like for the bigs that are in this draft, he looks like the best big. I want to definitely hear your opinion on this, but Obviously, with Golden State, they're kind of in a rough situation. Obviously, you know, Steph Curry, hand injury, Clay Thompson, ACL injury. They lost Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala got traded. Sean Livingston retired, has a position in upper management as well, too. So their team was a little rough right now. Obviously, they're able to get Andrew Wiggins. Um, and what was good about this season was they actually, you know, went to a couple straight finals, finally got time to rest as well, too. So now you have Anthony Wiggins and Andrew Wiggins, who is now, you know, going to essentially be that third scoring option. Now he doesn't really have that pressure on him. And obviously you have the Splash Brothers coming back, Draymond looking remotivated as well too. And the blessing in the skies about them was that this year, because their star players were out for basically most of the season, they were able to develop and kind of gain a little bit of fluidity with their role players as well, too. So that's going to basically propel them for this upcoming season. Um, so obviously one of the biggest things when they actually acquired D'Angelo Russell before trading for Andrew Wiggins was that, okay, you got an all-star caliber player. You have a unanimous MVP. You have one of the best shoes in Klay Thompson, quintessential 3 and player, Draymond Green, Harden, so that team X, Y, and Z. What really sucks about them is height because I feel like now, even though we're in that small ball era, we're kind of slowly seeing the reemergence of a of, of a big that's needed mm -hmm. to get you to that next level. Um, so, do you think uh, James Wiseman will be the legit option for them? And then, what are your thoughts on James Wiseman as well too um, this year? Uh, I'm not a fan. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a fan of. Uh, I think Anyeka Okongwu is the best big. I'll say that. Um, but for the Warriors, I would be going, uh, I would heavily go against big because you look at them and you realize they made McGee back into an NBA player. They had uh, a lot of these guys they can just throw in and they can just fill that simple role in because Draymond's going to close as the five anyway. So it's like yeah. picking a big man at number two is like, I feel like there's better options, right? Um, like the Warriors, like the Nets, the Warriors don't really have a lot of good rotation players. So it's like, especially, um, I mean, if you believe in Andrew Wiggins a lot, I still think you gotta, <laughs> you, I, I st even if you like are the biggest Andrew Wiggins fan, you st I still think they need another wing, right? So it's like, I, for them, I would, I mean, for, for them, if like Anthony Edwards gets picked first, 
then I would just take Mellow and just like hold him hostage. Whoever and like just whoever <laughs> wants Mellow, I'll I'll trade you. Just give me like a good like wing player, and I would do that. But if not, I would look at uh, Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro, um, just other guys that uh, fit like fit better that aren't bigs. But if mm-hmm. they had, if they really wanted a big, I would I would take uh, Anyaka. Okay, so you think so you think Oyeka is actually better than James Wiseman because yeah. I like Oyeka as well too, but I'm just like and and it sucks too because I'm going back to what you said and once we began this topic of players who fit the role of what the team is looking for. Obviously, Golden State on paper is not a you know one of the worst teams. I think they just need a big that can basically just bang with AD or at least try to bang with AD because now. Before it was all right. How do we how do we shape our team to beat Golden State? Now it's all right. This motherfucker LeBron look like he's gonna be in his prime for another four or five more years. Eighty only what twenty seven years old. How do we beat these guys? So that's my that's why I was thinking that's why they were gonna go for Wiseman because I thought he was the most ready to come into that role and just give you the, be that guy that sets you screens is another body that you can add to AD as well too and shot block. Um, but. So you so you definitely think Onyeka would be a better fit for Golden State? Yeah, um, like the idea of J- James Wiseman is nice, but if he guards Jokic in the playoffs, Jokic is dropping right. fifty. Like pick and pop <laughs> every time. The thing is, like James Wiseman's like talked about that as a nuclear athlete, but he can't move like laterally. He plays. The thing is, the difference between James Wiseman and Onyeka Kongo is that Onyeka plays. He can play a lot of different uh, pick and roll coverages. He can hedge. He can even switch maybe at times, and he can drop. James Wiseman can just drop. Like, and you can't always play drop because you know a guy like uh, there's pull up shooters. So it's like, I mean, how are you gonna play drop against Dame? Like Dame yeah. will kill you. Like, right? He'll drop <laughs> murder you. Like, yeah. So it's like that. The how the way he can only play one scheme is scary to me. And yeah, he could play like deep drop like Brook Lopez, but then you need to have Steph Curry fighting over every scheme, like do a let's on like having to contest from behind. And you don't want Curry to do that. So I feel like Anyaka would be a bet- better fit as a big man. Um, I also, I mean, James Wiseman shooting threes, it's like, even if he does shoot them, it's not going to be at a high enough level where he's going to draw closeouts. So I don't think that's as valuable. Uh, Aneka is probably not going to shoot. Like, there's a mid-range touch, but it's, like, it's going to take him a while for him to develop that. But it's just, like, rookies, I mean, like, I don't think I would throw a rookie in there and be like, yeah, go guard AD or go guard Jokic. I think they'll just get cooked, like, honestly. Like, even Aneka would probably get cooked, but he'll have a better chance. Mm. I've, um, coming off of that, I got, I got two things. Um, first off, I think even with the, uh, you know, well-known talking point that, oh, you know, the NBA is turning from, like, traditional basketball, I still think the elite teams are somewhat composed traditionally. You know what I'm saying? Like, over the last few years, like, Toronto, the Lakers this year, even though – but and and even if you're not composed traditionally, you're doing something really, really freaking well. You know, Golden State with their uh, shot-making ability um, – Lakers with LeBron James, who is, you know, no, no, even if you don't want to admit it, is an anomaly, <laughs> you know, um, and and it's just, you know, you, 
the, the, the teams that make it that far are somewhat composed very traditionally. Um, and, and the big man, that quote unquote is like, is give or take with it sometimes. Also, question for you, Robo. If Giannis somehow, some way finds himself not in Milwaukee, where does he land? Toronto. Come on now. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So hear me out. Hear me out. All right. So you guys want to know who was the guy that uh, gave Giannis his passport so he could go to the NBA? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Godfather shit. The connection is there. Um, The pitch is, hey, Giannis, I have this Giants of Africa stuff um, camp that I host every year. We're trying to make it a global brand. Uh, Like, guys of, like, Joel B went to that camp and got scouted. Siakam got to that camp and got scouted. So this is, like, a big deal. Like, um. It's like, we want to make this a global band. He wants to start a league, an African basketball league. And I want you and Siakam to be the face of it. What do you say to that? And- hey, we had, I had no idea. I don't know see well, if you knew that either, but nah, you, 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 got, you got it for real. So I'm sold. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, at this point in his career, like you already know he wants to be great. So there's only but a few teams you can go to unless you – basically are like LeBron James and you kind of build your team. Um, so realistically, I only see him going to Toronto, Warriors. going to the Warriors via trade um, or probably getting signed in the next, in next offseason with the Miami Heat. Th- those are realistically the only teams I see. Unless Kawhi just says, yo, F this, F Paul George, fuck with me. <laughs> like that, that's the only thing. That's the only scenario I see for him. But I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it because, like you said, like my favorite, my favorite player is Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, after he left the Spurs, I was able to watch him on Toronto. So I kind of grew some form of connection with Toronto. So I've always been following him um, ever since. So I wouldn't be mad if he goes there as well, too. Now, how do you feel? I don't like to go off topic here. Obviously, like this, you know, episode is primarily about the draft. But how do you feel with Pascal Siakam and Giannis being on the floor together? Do you think they, they can make it work? Yeah, um, Giannis is going to play the five. Like, he's going to realize that he's a five. So uh, that's what he is. Because every time he's, like, the the primary point guard, you know, Doesn't things work. go wrong. It just – and, like, I feel like once he plays a five, and then Pascal, like, okay, he shot, like, 18% from three in the playoffs, but I, <laughs> he's a reliable shooter. Yeah. But in the regular season, he shot, like, six attempts. Like, I think he was um, – 36%. So it's like, I, I believe the shot. And then Pascal's on such a strong development curve that he's only going to get better and better. So I believe him to be a good enough floor spacer. They have Lowry there. So when Giannis, you know, when they build the wall on Giannis, just just run and pick a roll, just short roll him. He can play make from there, right? Like while he already has a head of the steam with Lowry, uh, if Evan stays there, he would be an amazing fit next to Giannis. It's just Toronto could surround him to got, uh, with guys that could make a play when he draws in the defense because Giannis gets the defense attention. It's just the Bucks can't capitalize on that. And like I said, he should play a five. It's because as good as their defense is with Brook Lopez and Giannis, it's like you can help out, help off Brook Lopez because his form is slow. And it's just like at that point, Brook Lopez becomes like a bit of a liability on, on offense. Right? Yeah. So I just feel like 
just to have prime spacing and just have the offense work and not have Giannis being stonewalled, you got to play the five. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So go ahead, go ahead. All right, sorry. Um, if we want to stay off topic and we'll, we'll dive back in to, to wrap up the episode, um, I'm the misleading. It's one of the bunch. If you can't tell, Robo. Um, <laughs> how did you feel? You know, we're down here uh, under you. You know, in the United States of, you can fill the blanking. Um, but uh, how did you feel about the bubble, man? Uh, you know, we've had a multiple conversations with me and Sewell about it before, during, and even after it. But um, it just seemed like something that went off. You know, the right way. Uh, that we really interested in. How do you feel about the bubble? And then going forward for next season, what do you think is, uh, the NBA is going to look like? Uh, I wasn't a believer at first. I'm not going to lie, but it wasn't really Don't great. Don't worry, Trey, Trey wasn't there. Either. Trey wasn't oh, there. Oh, I was, I was hot on it. I mean, keep going, bro. I was like, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Malcolm X, but keep going, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't a believer in it at first. I didn't think it was actually just going to work. Like, I just thought someone's going to catch us. He's going to uh, have already played. The whole team is going to have to quarantine for two weeks. It's going to keep happening. Uh, people are going to get restless. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to work. It, w- it worked great, honestly, to me, like, as great as it could have been. Um, and, the, I mean, I don't know how they're going to w- really do it this year. I think they should do the bubble again. But, I mean, they're not trying to do it. So, I feel like it's going to be tough. And I, when they said that the the date of the season coming back so fast, I'm just like, no, just get out of here. Like, you guys yeah. are not ready. Like, don't do that. Start don't February. rush it. Yeah. Like, I get they want to have the playoffs at the same year, at the same time as every single year, but you can't just rush that. Like, and it's just unfair, too, to the players. It's just, it's just really selfish, honestly. So they should just take their time. They have a real plan. I don't know. I'll, I don't follow, like – like woes and stuff like that. I actually have the ch- notifications turned off because I'm just like, I'm so tired of hearing this. Like, I'll probably turn it on when um, the free agency starts again, but I'm just so tired of hearing like all these updates and what they are and what they're not going to do. I'm just like, I'm going to just roll with the flow. So I just hope they're going to figure it out, but not that like don't have it like in the next two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I believe I that. Um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. This is my last thing. And I'm, I'm going to let you, unless you drive it. Um, but no, I just no, believe I just gonna, that I was just gonna reply back to what he was saying. We're good. It's a good. It's a good branding point for the NBA right now. Like you, you finished up right. I'm I'm PR, so like I'm public relations. I'm how does it look? Um, communications to the masses, and I know the masses. Even if you think something, I know the masses are gonna interpret it a little bit differently because it's gonna be so many people. It's gonna be you know telephone with a lot of stuff. But for for this point in this junction right now, it looks like the NBA is doing the right thing. So why not ride with that brand, right? Um, you can capitalize it in a lot of different ways, but it's not going to work if it looks like you guys are in strife, strife against each other between the management and the players and even the owners that I know are still wanting their money, people that are paid millions and millions of dollars already, but they still want to get that bottom line and that check that they usually get. So it's like, let's brand it the right way. Look, the NBA did it, did it the right way with the bubble. And then, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a wait, but we're still going to go ahead and do it the right way again, even if it is in arenas with limited people or if it is in another bubble or multiple bubbles, whether it be East Coast, uh, uh, Midwest, 
West Coast, Middle America, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's a good branding opportunity, and, and they should just wait, like you were saying, Robo, and, and see, well, back to you, man. I'm done. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, in the perfect world, I would definitely like to wait as well, too. But at the end of the day, the owners want their money. The players want their money. And I think they said if they, if they started a little past Christmas, um, that would mess up, uh, I think, the deals that they have set in place with the collective bargaining agreement. And then they also mm. don't want to start it late. That way it interferes with the Olympics that are going on as well, too. So mm. I kind of see where it's coming from. I mean, to, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, obviously it was unfortunate circumstances, but the pandemic did happen. They had a lot of months off, and there was only a select amount of teams that went there. So a lot of these teams haven't even – weren't even able to participate in, in there as well, too. So um, I think they're just going to have to take this L and start a little bit earlier um, and probably have to, you know, look into what my boy Kawhi does in low manage. But uh, as far as the bubble again, in the perfect world, I would love for them to go back to the bubble. But I don't really see that happening because they already kind of complained about it. They're already there for, what, a little over 90 days or some shit like that. Um, so that was what, just three scrimmage games, what, eight, eight regular season games, exhibition games, and yeah. then you had three rounds of the playoffs plus the, uh, the finals. Yeah. I don't see them being there for over like 200 days. Like that's, that's just that's unrealistic. So they may take a motto out of the, the NFL book and <laughs> they may try to do that. I think the players are a little bit more disciplined, but I mean, when you're not under supervision constantly, like you are in a bubble, Motherfucker's definitely gonna, you know, be wilding out here and whatnot. So we'll see what happens with that. So I think they should obviously ramp up the testing daily. Um, and I think what they're gonna do to cut down on it is one person said that. So let's say, for example, obviously, if you're in the West, if you're not in the division, you play them three times. If you're in the division, you play them four times. So they're saying, what if we do something where Lakers and the Warriors are in the same division. We we go to the Warriors and we just play them for like an entire week and then we move on to the next team and then go into the next team. What if we do something like that? Um, so that's another option we can look at. But um, I think they're just going to have to, you know, do what they got to do and, and, and start earlier. And then they also talked about like the escrow as well, too. So um, basically with the escrow, let's say if you're Steph Curry and you're making $44 million this year, if they start a little bit late, then – they're going to lose a lot of that money, plus taking into consideration the fans not being there and, you know, adding the extra revenue. They're going to lose a little bit of money. So if you're Steph Curry, you're making like $44 million a year, that's going to get shaven basically almost to 50% as well, too. And then the rookies, sure. people who are getting paid, what, $1.5 million, that gets shaved to like $650K as well, too. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to them wanting their bread. So I think they're going to, they're going to start – a little bit before Christmas on like the 22nd and move forward. And plus the NBA, you know, NFL has what Thanksgiving and all that, all that stuff as well to the NBA's when you think Christmas. of Christmas, you think of the NBA. So I think it's only right for them to start. Um, but if I could choose, obviously I would want to start later, but I understand the politics beside, but um, behind everything beside. as well too. Um, going back to the Warriors. <laughs> so, with what you said about James Wiseman, them should, you know, them investing in, you know, that other player that you mentioned um, or potentially like another guard or a wing type of player. If you're the Warriors, are you just going to draft one of those players that you said, or would you draft a Lamella ball or get a Wiseman and kind of use them as trade bait to go along with like an Andrew Wiggins to get a, a player that you're looking for? Um, 
I probably, uh, I don't know how much a pick is for like how much, like, you know, you have to match salaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much, if you can just trade a pick for like a player. I don't know how that exactly works. I don't think you could trade the pick and Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins like has negative value. So it's like, I don't think every time I see those trades, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that, <laughs> a, like, you know, like a pick and Andrew Wiggins, like the pick isn't even that valuable enough to just attach Andrew Wiggins' contract. This contract's mm-hmm. long. So I feel like he's going to stay on the team. Um, I mean, if you had, I would first just draft LaMelo and then just be like, all right, who wants him? And then um, do that. And then, but if I had to draft a player, I'd probably uh, just draft Devin Vassell at two, even though that's super high. But if I was like Bob Myers and I had to do that pick, I'd feel comfortable taking him. Okay. Okay. Moving on to, you know, probably the most popular player in this upcoming draft, um, LaMelo Ball. Um, obviously, Hit a crazy ass growth spurt. What he's what six seven now. Um, I think yeah. he has like a six ten wingspan. Um, overseas he's averaging what seventeen eight and and seventeen eight and eight um, as well too. Very quick. Um, I think his ceiling is higher than his brother Alonzo as well too. A little bit more aggressive. Very creative. Um, great playmaker. Has great vision. Um, I think he if his one is all done and done. If he has that right mindset. I think he's going to be the best player in this draft. Um, And I'm also on that wave of I like these oversized point guards or like these point forward type of players as well, too. So I think um, he's one of those guys who you have to let him go to a team that's not that good and really, you know, take the leash off of him, let him go. Um, But where do you see him going? Do you see him being a number one pick? Do you see Golden State taking him? Do you see him going number three to Charlotte? Do you see him dropping to Chicago? What are your thoughts on his game, uh, what he can add to a team, and uh, where do you see him ending up at? So I love LaMelo. He's my number one prospect uh, pretty easily, like pretty easily. Um, like, you know, people have concerns about the shot. I feel like He's he's never gonna get left wide open. It's not a Lonzo problem. It's just a efficiency problem, and he's just gonna make shots. And I always tell people, man, Luca shot thirty one percent from three, and they're still double doubling him every time he turns a corner on a pick and roll. So if all Lamelo has to get is in the low thirties, and that's not impossible to attain because you know his shot selection is an issue, but it's not to the point where you can't rein that in, right? So if he reins that in. He stops taking these four pointers because he took a lot of like just isolated the big man. He could clearly get by him, and then he's just like, "Yep, I'm just shooting in your face, like from three, four feet, like behind the three point line." So if you just take all of those out, and then he'll just be a five shooter off the ball as well. He's pretty good. Um, I don't know the exact percentage, but in synergy, he's he was a very good spot up player. So I think his and he's a very good cutter as well. He just has a great feel for the game. So I think his off-ball utility is underrated as well. Uh, recently, he apparently he's been bombing his interviews. Lamelo has never been a good interviewer. Like he's just he's he's always just like you know just he give you one cut answers. He's not gonna give you a lot. He's not gonna show you a lot of his personality. And I feel like he generally gets misunderstood. So he just doesn't want to break out of his shell. Like you know we see like him like laughing and messing around, but. I think he's generally like, oh, I could mess up right here and I'm just nervous. Like, I think he generally has that. And I think it's not because he's just coming off as an arrogant kid. He's just, you know, 
He just wants yeah. to play basketball and he's great at it. So, yeah. um, so, but he's dropping down. So I think the Charlotte, Charlotte should probably take him, but if they're not, the Bulls should. And then like, if they're not, then who has number five? I don't remember who has number five. Exactly. Number five is Cleveland. Yeah. Well, Cleveland shouldn't take him. Um, yeah. But, the guards for days. And then Hawks shouldn't take him, but the Pistons should. It's just a lot of teams that fit. I don't think he, I mean, I think he's probably going to go to the Hornets or the Bulls. I don't think he should fall past four, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And it's crazy how you're saying, like, he needs to work on his his shot selection and then you revert it back to, you know, other players that you mentioned before, they have to work on their defense. So you, you do think with the shot selection that can be fixed, you do think is just because he was in unfamiliar territory playing overseas and then kind of giving him the green light that, you know, he was able to, you know, basically just go out there and just do whatever you want. So you think that can definitely be dialed back as well too? Yeah, there was like when you look at that team and you watch the games, you realize no one could really create their own shot. So they just end up passing it back to Lamelo, and you have to shoot a lot of like end of the buzzer uh, shot clock uh, uh, shots, and that's what happens. Like it was basically Lamelo, and then I mean Aaron Brooks was there too, but Aaron Brooks is not really he can't really take people off the bounce like that. He tries, but he's not that great at it. So it's like Lamelo was forced to take some shots that he was forced to hold a higher u- usage that he probably shouldn't have taken. Like, he's going to be better with better players around him. That's how, how, how I look at him. And then I, I want to talk about the defense, too. So it's not a Trey Young situation because Lamella is 6'7", and he is going to add weight. So he, I think he'll be fine on the ball. It's not someone I'm going to throw against, like, LeBron or anything just because he's 6'7". I put him up – what I would do is I put him on the worst player and have him just – playing the passing lanes all the time because he's great at that. Like he gambles a little bit too much sometimes, but that could be reeled in. Just there's some flashes of him having amazing rotations. He's there super early and he's just a super smart player and that's super high feel. Like uh, once he locks into that, I feel like he could be a very good uh, events creator, someone that gets a lot of steals. So I feel like he plays that, um, how do I say it? That free safety role, that, I feel like that would be his role on defense, and he could even be a positive on that end if he does that. So that's how I feel about his D. You think he's going to um, end up having a better career than his brother? Yeah, for sure. Like, the thing with Lonzo is like, oh, I want to talk about his floor too. Um, Lamelo's yeah. floor, he could be – Lamelo's floor is like Lonzo, but like still better. Like, he, if he doesn't become like the lead option, like that point guard – there's still a role for him to be that linking player makes everyone better around him because he can still play the two or the three. Like he has the size for it, right? He's not strictly a point guard. So, and I think the spot of shooting is from fine from catch and shoot. It's pretty good. So he could do that. He could use his playmaking ability from there and he can get by guys. The problem is the finishing, but he can get by guys. So it's like, I still see him being a valuable rotation player actually starters still being a starter even if he's not the guy that is creating all the possessions and being the main number one option so his floor is higher than Lonzo's and his ceiling is higher than Lonzo's nice 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 um moving on obviously you talked about Onyeka for a little bit so we'll go past him um Obi Topin Topin I think I pronounced his name right from Dayton now a lot of people have been drawing comparisons saying that he could be 
um, like an Amari Stoudemire type of player. Uh, how do you feel about him going into this draft? Um, someone told me he plays defense like current Amari Stoudemire, <laughs> like 40-year-old <laughs> Amari Stoudemire. That's, that's basically the that's basically the what's it called? How do I say it? the story with him? The defense, the offense is great. You know, amazing rim roller, um, good shooter. Could like you know, I mean, once he jumps, no one's really jumping with him. Like in just in general, right? Yeah. And yeah, and then he just he's gonna get buckets. Like he's a very good offensive player. It's just the defense sets you so much back, and I just don't like. I think we're moving away from one way bigs and seeing how valuable they are. Uh, I just don't know what he plays on defense. I don't think he's too slow to guard like the fours in the NBA. Like if you put him on Siakam or Tatum or like any of those perimeter fours, they're going to destroy him. So then you have to play him at the five. And then his pick and roll defense is like one that it's um, horrible. So it's like Mm. as much as his offense is very exciting and he's probably even going to run rookie of the year just off the production. It's just long-term, you're looking at someone that you really have to build a roster around and really have to have a lot to cater for him. And that's not someone I would like to draft high. Interesting. interesting. So I think right now, um, looking at like the last mock draft, I think he was projected to go to actually number five to Cleveland. Um, Do you think that's a good fit for him? It's okay. Um, I don't think any – fit is great in the lottery like I would I would draft him outside the lottery like I will uh, yeah that's how I feel um just because it's very hard to s- how many teams could really cater for a player uh, a big man that's bad on defense right the big has to be good on defense like yeah. so that's the, that's the that's my issue with him um I mean the Cavs could just say man we don't even care about defense let's just go all offense everything and I feel like that would be uh, bad, but I mean, it's not like you know, he'll he'll find he's gonna go top five, so I guess that's like an okay spot, yeah. Okay, now there's a there's a couple of you know, um, you know, point guards that I like in this draft. Um, one of them being that guy from Ohio State, I think it's Tyrese Halliburton. Um, to me, I think his upside can be like a shy or like a Jamal Murray a little bit. And then obviously, yeah, Iowa State. And then obviously you have um, the guy from UNC as well and then a couple of other players as well. Obviously, outside of LaMelo Ball, what point guard um, do you like uh, coming out of this draft? I like Killian Hayes a lot. I have him as my – I have him over Anthony Edwards. He's my number two prospect. He's He's really good. Like, as a passer, he's – amazing um just an inch below Lamelo. you can make an argument for Halliburton but the reason I can't is because Killian can get by guys and Halliburton struggles with that so it's like it doesn't matter how good of a passer you are if you can't draw two then who are you gonna pass to you're gonna pass it to guys that are already guarded so okay. um Killian the knock on him is he's not that athletic but he improved a lot athletically and I think he he uh like he has that good change of pace type of guy. He's not going to like blow by you, but he's one of those guys that's always open. So um, the the he's already taking step back, double step back threes like James Harden in the um, playing in Europe and six, five, he's pretty big for his size. He's going to add a lot of muscle, um, good finisher at the rim, 
amazing passer. He's going to be a primary in the NBA. And I, I just hold guys that could uh, hold a lot of usage highly. Like, I value that a lot. That's why I have him really high. And his defense is very good as well. Like, good point of attack defender, uh, could guard ones and twos, maybe even smaller threes. And, yeah, just, just a great prospect. I love Killian Hayes. Okay. Um, as far as these, you know, forwards or these wing players that we have listed here, um, I'm looking at Isaac Okoro. I'm looking at Aaron Neesmith. I'm looking at Patrick Williams. Um, who do you think has the highest upside out of all those three? Hmm. Sorry, did you say Isaac Okoro? Yeah. Um, it's a debate between Isaac and uh, Pat. I can't really decide right now. Um, I love both of them. I think Pat is very underrated. He has shown a lot of like weird like sub skills that you just don't expect. Like he does live dribble passes at like at playing the four. I'm just like, how can you do that? Like he just <laughs> like, whipping past like he's Lamelo. I'm just like, what? Like how? Why do you have that? But um, I mean, Isaac Okoro is just all matters is that he has to hit spot up jumpers or else he's not going to be that valuable on offense because at 6'6", he's just going to be what, a role man. You know, his slashing is very good, but if if you just step two steps back, it's going to be hard for him to get by, guys, right? So that's his issue. Um, Aaron Neesmith, not someone I like that much. He's a very good shooter. I just wonder how good of a shooter he is. And then the only role I really see him playing is that Duncan Robinson role. Don't think mm-hmm. he has anything else. And then his defense is very iffy, too. So it's like... I mean, he's really strong. Like, he looks like he should be a lockdown defender, but he's just not. And that concerns me. But, yeah, he there there could be a team that later in the lottery that could use him like he's, like, you know, the best shooter in the world. And then he just becomes really good in that role. So, yeah. But as upside goes, it's a tie between Okoro and Patrick Williams. Actually, I'll probably say Okoro. So, yeah, I'm making a decision. Okay. Um, who would you say outside of the United States or these, you know, naturalized, these naturalized citizens, who outside of the U.S. do you think um, is the best out of this draft? Uh, Killian Hayes. So Killian, I can't remember where he's actually playing right now. I think Germany. I hope I'm right. Yeah, he was born in the U.S., but his dad was an overseas player, so he basically grew up in France. Mm-hmm. But he played in Germany, so I would say Killian and then a lot of people would say Denny, but I, I say Alexei Pokushevsky. That's like a super underrated player in the draft. He's like seven foot, weirdest player I've ever seen in a while. Like seven foot, and he's like doing no look passes in transition, um, shooting pull up threes. Not and and he's like he's like one eighty as a mm. seven footer. Like he's super skinny, so it's like. The upside is so high, though. It's like I have to put him highly because if this guy pops, it's going to be great. Like, you know, so that's why I have him over Denny Advia. And then Denny's like um, people see like star talent in him. I see him as like a good player at 6'9 that can do everything reasonably solid, like solid to okay, you know. And I just think there's not one skill that really – shows that he's a star player. That's why I don't really put him as high as uh, the national consensus does. Okay. Yeah, back to that guy you're talking about from Serbia, Alexic or whatever his name is. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, Alexic. I like him a lot too, but I feel like he's going to have – 
I think his his draft stock is going to drop just because of the competition that he played and then his build. But like you said, his upside is crazy. Like I can see him being kind of like a Jokic type of player in the future. So I think he's going to be one of those players where his draft stock drops. But if you're a team that doesn't necessarily need someone to give you impact right now and you kind of let him, you know, see what it's like to be a player and basically get his weight up and get his strength up and all that good stuff as well, too. Like you said, I think his upside is going to be crazy. So, you know, Jokic was a late round pick. And then who's that other guy that we have as well, too, that they drafted last year? Bobo was a late pick as yeah. well, too. So I think he can go into that type of role as well. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs have a late uh, – have the 11th pick. They could choose them. The Celtics, too. So they're not really guys that uh, – they have good development programs. And I think that's a great fit. I feel like someone's just going to see the upside and be like, yeah, um, there's not – like, we don't want to draft a, lo- a role player in the lottery. Let's just swing for upside if we have this high of a pick. So – and I think that's right. the right thing to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then one of my last things I want to talk about, with all these players that we mentioned, um, who – have we not mentioned or who who is that under the radar player that you think um you know that are that's going to surprise us because we i didn't think donovan mitchell was going to be this good um uh, back when he was there i didn't think um a good amount of these players are going to be that good as well too so who do you think is that under the radar player right now in the draft i'll, I'll give you guys three one is devin vassell uh looked at as a three and d guy is more than that. He has the he has a lot of pull up flashes that I'm just like okay, like not even flashes. He's a good pull up shooter in college. So like, yeah. so it's like there's some creation ability there. And then as a team defense guy, like I said, Lamelo could play the free safety role. Devin is like one of the best team defenders I've ever seen. Like he gets everything. Like he gets his hands on everything. So it's like he could be a a monster dude. That um, and then obviously forty two percent shooter from three two, so six seven uh long. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a very good player. I would draft him way higher than they have. Um, next one is Tyrese Maxey. The Kentucky guys always seem to play good. So that's an easy bet. Um, he shot 29% from three, which is why he's going to get drafted outside of the lottery. But in high school, you look at his numbers every year, and they're pretty high. So just I'm not going to let one Kentucky year uh, affect my uh, – say that he's a non-shooter and he's a very good slasher plays very well um can finish through contact very good defender and yeah he's a three-level scorer so I, I i like him a lot too and then lastly we have kyle lewis um played at alabama he's a sophomore but he's 19 he was 17 years old uh when he was playing point guard as a freshman so that's interesting um fastest play in the draft six three uh and he could shoot. He's not one of those fast guys that can't shoot. He shot 36% on 462 attempts in three years. So wow. there is like a big track record of him shooting the ball. So he could shoot well. Um, if he develops, he's a very good playmaker as well. If he develops, like if he can finish really good at the rim, because he gets to the rim anytime he wants. He's just not a great like jumper. That's his thing. Like, he can't really jump high. So, it's like, if he draws a lot of fouls or he becomes an amazing pull-up shooter, which he's actually shown flashes of, then he could be one of the best players in the draft, too. So, those are three guys that I would I have really high compared to how they looked at in the ESPN boards and stuff like that. And I think they're going to surprise people. Okay, cool. And then the last thing for you, obviously, we talked about these top-tier players, most slept-on players, X, Y, and Z. Putting the GM hat on right here. Who's number one, who's number two, and who's number 
Okay. Um, hmm. I mean, number one, I go at if I'm playing it safe. Number two, uh, no trades, right? Yeah. Let's no just trades. do no trades. Yeah. No so, trades. um, okay. Number two is interesting. Number two, I go, I go, I go Devin Vassell number two. <laughs> that's how, that's how much I like him. Um, I go Devin Vassell number two. And then number three, hmm. Number three, I'd go. Charlotte Bobcats. I mean, Hornets. It's, <laughs> I'd probably have to go. I'm I'm leaning towards Killian Okongwu or who else? Or Lamelo. That's I just forgot Lamelo there. Um, hmm, that's tough. I probably go Lamelo. Just highest upside. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, we're going to see definitely, you know, uh, how the draft turns out as well, too. It's probably going to be the next time we actually release the episode. So um, I appreciate you being on episode 95 of the season show. I got one last question. Okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, how many more years does LeBron James play in the, in, uh, in the NBA? I mean, how many years until the sun comes, right? Like, the sun <laughs> <laughs> like three, maybe, probably, I think, at this point? No, yeah, four, yeah. four, like four. Like three, four, depending on how uh, they're gonna look at, you know, change the run and done rule. Um, yeah. I mean, LeBron got five in him. It just depends. Like LeBron got five. Like LeBron yeah. got five, maybe six. Like, <laughs> not like an amazing player, but like, you know, he's still yeah. gonna be LeBron. Like I don't see him ever averaging under twenty points a game. That's the thing. Do you like, see? Do you see LeBron taking that Tim Duncan approach or that Dirk approach, where it's like? you're still respected. You're still, like you said, you don't see him averaging under 20 points. Do you see him like at a certain point in time is like, all right, like I'm getting older. Do you see him like taking a team friendly deal to bring in more talent? I don't know. Actually, no, I feel like LeBron would never do that because he knows he's such a brand where it's like, I'm so valuable facts. to the team, regardless of how good That's I am. Facts. Right? That's facts. And Tim Duncan's a unique personality too, right? Like He very much is. Yeah, like him and Dirk. They don't make him like that no more. So it's like <laughs> um but as a player, like I, I could see him take a step back. I feel like he really wants that uh like this year he really wants the Lakers to draft like a ball handler so he can like take some breaks. Relax. Right. Yeah. Um because it's taxing mentally. So um yeah, I think that's what he's gonna look for. But I think he's just gonna like now that he has the ring, he's gonna be like, all right, eighty next. Like you're the number one guy now, right? Like you're gonna win the finals MVP. I'm just gonna be your secondary. Mm. So that's how he's gonna transition. Nah, I don't think LeBron gonna see LeBron. LeBron's good. LeBron's gonna make him the guy. But when it's playoff time, he want that finals MVP. <laughs> I know. I know. It. That's his thing. But it's just like he's just gonna keep slowing down, right? So it's like yeah, that's, that's right. Not, like, thing, right. So it's prediction. Like, yeah, so I I I see the regression is gonna happen. I'm just saying, like, and then AD is gonna get only better because he's still young. So it's like, yeah. I mean, AD was close this year. He just didn't like you know finish it out. That was real. Yeah. Like people were really saying AD should be Finals MVP. So it's like, if AD takes his game to another level and LeBron like regress a little bit, I just see it happening. Yeah, I'm just a little worried about. I mean, obviously Anthony Davis proved that he can play through the pain, but it's like he always it seems like he always getting a knickknack injury. And I'm like, damn, like, are you gonna be there next year with LeBron or is something gonna happen? I'm a little worried yeah. about him. Yeah. So any any last questions, Trey? Um, nah, man. My my, my last sentiments is uh Robo. Thank you, man. You were quick to the trigger. Um, you were available and you were you were um an amazing guest this time, man. Um 
so we'll, we'll talk a little bit off air and stuff like that. But anything you need from us, so we can help in any way, definitely here, man. Family thing at this point, support thing at this point, man. So nah, it's all love over here, bro. We appreciate what you do and respect the talent, bro, because you you were leagues leagues above, you know. So thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. I mean, it was fun doing this, you know. I'm not gonna. I, I see what you guys are doing. Like, I watch some of the episodes. So I'm just like, I mean, why not? You know, like, you also, you know, you got you got to support. Black people got to support each other too. So that's <laughs> what I have to do. Like, it's not. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I don't say. I don't say yes to everyone. I'll just. I'll say that. So. Yeah, yeah man. Sure, we sure. appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being on the show, man. Like, like, like Trey said, it's an honor for you to be here. Um, know your shit, a lot of that. I just like the old time listening. Like, yeah, this nigga. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yo, man, if if you're ever free again, um, I would love to have you on another show. You know, potentially post draft analysis. Um, how you feel about uh, you know players going in particular places and whatnot? I would love uh, love to have you back on the show as well. Well, well. Any last words from you? Nah, I'm good. I mean, you know, thank you guys for having me. It was good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 95 of the Caesars Show. Make sure to subscribe on all social platforms at Sir Caesars, at the Caesars Show, at XXIV, and follow Robel at Robel. Is it Tussin? Yeah, Tussin. Robel Tussin as well, too. And on that note, we out.